Yeah, not unless you want like a turtle. You don't want that. That's a mess. I can't wait till the next episode when Leo Johnson dumps a bag of flaming hot Cheetos on the river. <laughs> yeah, come on, fish. <laughs> Get in the boat. This is our house, Shelly. Fellas, don't drink that coffee. Got to nail it down. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be that precise. Nailing it down. There doesn't have to be any nails. Bang, bang, bang goes the hammer on the nail. Um, should we start? I have started since you called. Welcome back to Dishing the Percolator. I'm gonna do a little enthusiasm this time. Oh, good. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think it's finally, uh, finally about time. Hey, everybody. Yeah. We don't have any like cool drops or anything. I I think I had like aspirations of that when I started this. Like I'm gonna have drops from the show, and then I think you tend to just weed out all of the things that kind of reek of effort, and you just (laughs) boil it down to what the people really want. And by people, I mean the four. People. We gotta give Ooh. the people. <laughs> may or may not be uh, listening still. No, they're listening. So thank you for tuning back in. This is episode four. Zen and the art of pasty toothbrushes. <laughs> this one is called uh, the One Arm Man. This is the one that this title actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's not nice. They've I think been setting us up for this. They brought in someone else, maybe, to... Uh, to do the titles? Yeah, they're like, ah, we we don't have anything kind of like weird and off base for this one. And hey. some guy's like, hey, I don't have any... Um, I'm kind of a normal human being. Uh, why don't we name it after something that happens in the episode? And then they're like, no, no, no. But it was too late, and it had already gone out as the one-armed man. And they turned around, and they said, who are you? And he's like, I'm the one-armed man. And they're like... Perfect. This we'll one this. should be about me. <laughs> there actually is a one-armed man in this episode. It's weird. It's he has to be actually one-armed, right? He is. Yes. Yeah. It's weird because seeing him is jarring. It is. Yeah. But it shouldn't be that jarring. <laughs> um, like it's just weird. It, the way the way that it's the reveal is pretty good. I mean, he's got his he's got his shoulder behind that like entertainment center and so or a closet or whatever it is i think it's like a you know a wardrobe uh, a wardrobe yes it's a wardrobe and so it's it is kind of a like it's not just the side of him without an arm did it's he, the reveal did he lose the arm in narnia well we're i can't did they shut the others some side people of the wardrobe? haven't seen the show yet so i have to keep some things wait hold on <laughs> i was joking <laughs> oh. narnia is in the back of the wardrobe uh, me too 
Yeah, no, that, there's no Narnia in Twin Peaks, I swear. Wait, is there a Mr. Tumnus? Is Mr. Tumnus? I'm not going to get into that. I have to be honest I have honest to keep some you. secrets. Please be honest. I got... You're done. Think, You're quitting. You're quitting the show. No, 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 no. I think last night, by mistake, I got a big spoiler. Oh, no. I don't want yeah. you to... I kind of don't want you to tell me because if people are watching or listening and haven't seen the show... Yeah, if they're, if they're watching along, then they don't. I don't want. I don't want them to be spoiled. So maybe you should just tell me afterwards. There's a good chance that I will forget, and it wasn't even just like, like Agent Cooper in that last episode where he had, knew with a. Okay. So I don't know. So I'm not going to say that. I think it's a spoiler, but then you said that they never really. There's a lot of things that aren't closed. Totally. And so, but there are we, a few things that are. Okay, I might have heard about one of them that is. Now tell us how you, tell us, because if you are, so like, this show, it's really hard to go through life without knowing what happens in every show, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. just, they're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but Between Twitter, between Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, Snapchat. I was going to warn people, like, to not really dig into this show. If you're watching it for the first time, and for most people who I know who are, the people I know who are watching or listening to our podcast, they have seen the show, so there aren't mysteries, really, um, like at least the big ones. But if you haven't seen it, like, don't dig around. Um, because it's too easy to come upon things and you can't unknow them. You can't unsee things mm-hmm. anyway. So I'll have you tell me when the podcast is over, what you've heard. And I okay. don't think, I don't think I'll even give you the benefit of like confirming or denying it. Cause I, oh, think no, I don't that, want oh. you to, but anyway, yeah, I wouldn't want you to confirm it. But, but again, if you haven't seen the show yet and you are listening, like don't go on the, don't go on the internet until we finish in the yeah. next two years don't do <laughs> we have 26 more episodes to go and at this rate in don't 2018 you can you can fire back up aol mm-hmm. and um then you can yeah you know don't do what i did and go to twinpeakspoilers.com <laughs> just because just because yeah. you're bored so that's what i was going to ask you is how did you find out this what you think could be a spoiler well if last week we were talking about the core you watched the last you watched the last episode of the show. if you watch the cut scene for the core like the very end of the core after the credits they talk about what happens in twin peaks it's okay. really weird okay it's like the end of the like the avengers stop you know? really how did you how did <laughs> how did you come across what you think is a spoiler sam jackson came in and he's like you know who killed laura palmer and i'm like no um I was at, I was doing comedy. I did comedy all weekend, ah. and um, we were talking about TV shows last night with one of the, the with I was talking with the two other comics on the shows. Yeah, and they were like, uh, and I was saying that I was watching Twin Peaks, and uh, sh- the girl just kind of unleashed a bunch of Twin Peaks stuff. Ah, yeah, you kind of have to tell like, people like I haven't seen anything past the whatever episode you're on. It was literally there wasn't time enough. For oh jeez! But her husband, who was on the show, had not seen it either, and so I don't. One, I don't even know if he was paying attention. But two, I feel like it might not have been that big of a spoiler. Okay. Because obviously she wouldn't want to spoil it for him. Yeah. But uh, it wasn't like a lot. It was just this one thing, and we. She kind of told me some of the stuff about season two that you said, as far as like just format and like kind of how the show falls apart a little bit in season two. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. So, and, and I, yeah. 
and we'll get there, but mostly it falls apart a little bit in season two because the two guys who created it went off to do other things. Um, yeah, that- it kind of comes back together at the end, but we're going to have to endure a couple of episodes. I think that you <laughs> and I will probably not enjoy either, but I'm, I kind of like in hindsight, maybe they're worse than they are. Or maybe they're not as, I don't know. I, I, that's why I'm kind of excited to go through this is season two. I remember thinking, Oh, this is really bad. And then, Maybe it's not as bad, but we'll find out together. You know, remember Friday Night Lights? I don't want to do any spoilers for people who haven't seen Friday Night Lights. Of course. Actually, there's a Friday Night Lights connection to this episode, but go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you've seen it, right? Of course. So there's a big thing that happens in season two. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Yes. There's like a big turn of events. Yes. <laughs> and it kind of is very jarring and weird. It doesn't make any sense. Yes. And the, and Peter Berg has since admitted that the reason they did it was because the network was like, we need to up ratings. You need to do something big. Yes. And so just to, as an F you to them, he like does this and it's really stupid and it's horrible. Yeah. And as a fan, you're like, I have to endure this. Um, hopefully this goes away quickly and it kind of does. Yeah. And then I was watching, I was rewatching with Sam, my wife. She's just, um, we're just finishing season two, I think now. And she was like, and I was like, maybe it'll be okay. Like maybe rewatching it, it won't be as bad as I remember it to be. And, uh, and no, it's really bad. It's really dumb. It's really, really stupid. Networks tend to ruin TV shows. There's something similar with the show where they forced their hand at something mm-hmm. and it kind of killed the momentum that they had going. So we'll get there. They forced my hand. <laughs> Lynch did not like, um, I think he loved creating Twin Peaks, but he did not like dealing with ABC. And that's kind of what Mulholland Drive is about. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Oh, I think I saw it with you in like, yeah. the Hillcrest Cinemas. <laughs> we used to live when we, I think back in, back in the day when we lived in La Jolla together. We probably went and saw it, but yeah, um, a lot Great. of his reaction to, <clears throat> I think not just working in TV but also in movies, like working with the guys in suits who make decisions and the frustration that came with that, he put into that film. Um, oh man, it is frustrating. I'll tell yeah. you, people don't understand it. You know, I, let me give a little tidbit just for people who, because listen, I I have worked in television. Uh huh. Now, admittedly, okay. not, not on anything. Well, that's not true. Yo Gabba Gabba was fairly a big show. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's not like you know. There's but who no, wasn't on Yo Gabba Gabba? By the way, what do you mean? I mean, like who wasn't on Yo Gabba Gabba? Everyone was on that show. No, but I worked on the show. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. Yeah, and then that's like, what I'm saying. I, I, I worked on saying, it too. I think we're we're no, we're that's what I'm saying. I'm saying we were both on Yo Gabba Gabba. Okay, I don't know what uh, you're trying no, that's to what get. I'm, I get it. We can move on. All right, let's move on. <laughs> we should probably get. Let's move on to this episode. I was going to give some people some insight, but that's okay. Oh no, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead. No, please. I don't want to now. No, no, no. Pretty much f that one up there, yeah. O'Donnell. Okay. So opening wanna, credits, we're what? in the freaking forest with the wood mill. Let's go back. We, well, this episode is the one-armed man. It is episode four. Uh, I guess it would be episode five if you're watching it on. Um, no, that's not true. What episode is this? It's episode four on Netflix, right? I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's episode three if you're I haven't on. paid attention to that part of it. <laughs> I know. 
we we should just stop dealing with this. It's called the One Arm Man. Uh, it was written by Robert Engels, who co-wrote the movie. I don't know if you know, but there's a movie, a Twin Peaks movie. I did Fire Walk with Me. Fire Walk with Me that came out after the show, and uh, of all of the writers who worked on the show, uh, Lynch tapped Robert Engels to co-write the movie. Um, and so this is his first episode that he wrote for the show and he knew Mark Frost, um, Mark Frost, dad, Warren, who plays Dr. Um, why am I blanking right now? Dr. Hayward. Okay. I almost said Jacoby, but that's not him. He was a professor at the university of Minnesota. I believe he was like a, of drama. And I oh, think Bob okay. Engels was in the program. So there's a there's a Minnesota contingent working on this show, like Richard Hoover, who's the uh, set guys from there. So there's kind of this Minnesota thing going on. Ah, I like the Vikings. Yes. Not Lynch, though. Lynch is from uh, Montana, I think, originally. Oh, go um, Golden Gophers. <laughs> exactly. Big sports guy, David Lynch. Um <laughs> And then, uh, but I guess, and Bob Engels, uh, I think I t- mentioned this earlier, Bob Engels and, uh, and uh, Mark Frost were in a rotisserie baseball league together. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Which I love. Which you Big love. Fan. Big fan um, of that. And then uh, this was directed by Tim Hunter, who directed the movie The River's Edge. I don't, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, but. The River's Edge. <laughs> but anyway. I don't even know if I've seen that movie. Yeah, it's like... Uh, Is that uh, uh, Crispin with Glover? The, the, Crispin Glover? Yeah. And was a Phoenix brother in that? It might have been. It's been so... I, no, and uh, isn't Dennis Hopper in it? Dennis Hopper and Chris McGlover? I don't know. Uh, I don't it's know. been too long. Um, it's been too long. We've got to watch that next. But this <laughs> this show aired on May 3rd, uh, 1990. So we start off, we're in the Palmer house, um, where I've, as I've said before, it's good times all the time. And uh, Sarah's doing the police sketch of Eskimo Joe. And uh, Leland, at this point, is just, like, fried. His hair is all crazy. <laughs> and um, she's so she's talking about seeing Eskimo Joe. And Leland comes out, and he's like, you know, oh, tell him about the other one. Wait till they get a load of this, you know, um, and talks about, the necklace right Mm -hmm. so leland's just kind of he's just he's done you feel for him yeah i don't know i yeah we've talked about this i don't feel anything for leland you're done with leland i'm Um, done with leland i've had he had his episode and he he jumped on a coffin i think i'm done with leland (laughs) so and apparently leland's done with everyone so um but she then she describes uh what we know is now Jacoby taking the necklace. You know, um, Sarah has some sort of clairvoyancy. And Donna happens to be in the room and she's freaked out because she and James buried it, right? Mm-hmm. This is the first time she's hearing that, you know, the necklace was taken and this she's afraid because this could maybe implicate her and James. Um, anyway, that's the first scene. Yes. And... Then we go to the sheriff station, and Lucy is watching uh, "Invitation to Love," which is the show <laughs> show within the show. Yes, and there's which a great they give, they give yeah. like more to every episode. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. 
And so when the sheriff walks in, he asks what's going on. She just recaps what's going on in Invitation to Love, <laughs> um, where, uh, you know, Jared was going to commit suicide. There's just all these things happening. And uh, poor Chet. Um, poor Chet. <laughs> and if she could, the sheriff says, no, what's happening here? And um, so she mentions that Cooper and Jacoby are in the uh, the room. The the I don't know. What do you call it? The where they have the big table. Are we ever gonna get the big table in here? That's the room we're in, they're in. They, they, uh, they get, well, yeah, the the um, conference room. Oh. What would you say? What would you say? What would you say? Interrogation room. Interrogate? No. But it's too big for the interrogation. No. Room. See, I don't know. This isn't important. But they're. But in that's a room. where they go though to interrogate everybody. Sure. So far, we've seen them interrogate. But we wouldn't call that interrogation room. That doesn't look like an interrogation room you'd see at like a cop show because they use it for other things too. Yes, but other cop shows you don't get fishes stuck in percolators. That's true. Um, and then Andy wants to know why he couldn't spend the night last night. And Lucy, Lucy gives him the freeze, man. <sighs> These two, will they or won't they? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the Sam and Diane of the Pacific Northwest. It completely is. <laughs> um, so then we go to Cooper and Jacoby and Cooper's trying to get information and Jacoby is kind of skating around the whole doctor-patient confidentiality thing. Yes. Um, and he's talking about how Laura had problems and how the, you know, the problems are of our entire society are of a sexual nature when he's talking about Laura and the fact that, you know, she, she sought medication, even though it was cocaine, was actually a positive thing. Um, but basically, he's being no help. And he says, because he has his own ongoing investigation that will continue for the rest of his life. Um, I feel like... Yeah. Sorry. No, no, go ahead, please. Well, Dr. Jacoby, I feel like... I, I can't decide if he's like actually good at his job or not. Yeah, I don't know if... I mean, you're... Think about that. how small of a town that is. He obviously isn't like some huge, successful, like, you know, New York shrink... I mean, I can't imagine, like, the 2,500 people in Twin Peaks, like, can pay him enough to, you know what I mean? Like, how many patients does he have? Well, it seems like he works for the hospital, though. It seems like a kind of like maybe he's under contract. Because doesn't he, like, hang out at the hospital? Like, isn't that where he Yeah, I don't know if operates? you know where his office is. I don't know. Yeah, I, every time I've seen him, I feel like so far we've been in the hospital. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. This is a. I can't decide if like his his insanity like makes him better at his job, well, or he's just bad at his job, and he's also kind of crazy. I was going to ask you because then he, you know, then Cooper just kind of straight out asks him, you know, Laura had sex with three men. Then I, she died. Were you one of them? And he says no. Um, and then early on in the show, they were really kind of pumping him up to be the guy. And so I'm curious, like kind of where are, where you are with him now? Do you feel like they've deflected enough things where you're maybe oh, on to someone else? Or, yeah. Um, I don't think that Russ Tamblin would do that kind of a thing. I know that he's very into protecting the streets, his street. Um, <laughs> and I know that he's all about, you know, brotherhood and stuff. I know based on the way he treats anybody's in West Side Story, I know that he's not too fond of women. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that he likes a good woman. You know what I mean. And so I don't. Th I don't see him hurting a, a woman. Okay. Um, 
But I do see him dancing and singing. <laughs> he leaves. He leaves the office with a uh, with a hang loose howlies. Um, <laughs> no, to, to answer your question, I don't think he's. Yeah, I don't think he's the murderer. Yeah, I just don't think he's been. It's almost like it's too set up. Sure. Anyway, go ahead. I'm not going to tell you. I was just curious. Well, I know you're not going to tell me. <laughs> uh, I might tell you. I don't know. I might just let it slip one day. Um. Well, so unfortunately, then the next- this girl last night might have. So, <laughs> I really hope not because that stinks. Yeah, Shame well. on you, girl who I don't know. Very funny. Writes uh, for Broad City. Very funny girl. Oh well, she she may be really funny, but she's also uh, no fun at all. Um, <laughs> for spoiling my little uh, premise of a podcast. That uh, the next uh, thing we get, we're still in the sheriff station, but uh, Gordon. Uh, Gordon Cole is on the intercom, the phone. So it's Cooper's boss. This is David mm-hmm. Lynch. Um, David Lynch has this role as the FBI kind of boss. And so, we, did we hear him at all? Yes. Yeah, you hear him. You have. We uh-huh. haven't. We haven't seen him, but that's him talking over the intercom. Oh, okay. So he's talking about um, Albert has found. Uh, so it was bird bites on her shoulders and then the next thing he wants to talk about how is albert wants uh truman's head basically yeah and coop sticks up for him which i think is great you know like he's uh he says something like you know last thing i want is you to get in trouble for some dude i brought in yeah um and so you know i think it's great i I just like it i like cooper sticking up for truman even though truman did punch a man yeah but warranted totally yeah, Albert um, was being a big old dick. And that's when... Um, okay, so Cooper wasn't at the Palmer house. So that's when Andy comes in with the police artist sketch. And Coop says, that's the dude I saw in my dream. Um, and I didn't want to go to the house because I'm a sender or something like that. Like how he he didn't want to be the you know project that image into Sarah's head. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So there's some kind of connection here, and he says, but the eyes are a little bit closer together. But anyway. Um, and then this next part is great, because they get a call saying that Hawk found the one-armed man. And I, I don't know if it's Coop who asked. He says, how long to get to this place? And Andy says, half an hour, and Sheriff says, 10 minutes. And then Andy goes, depends how you go. Um, <laughs> Robert Engels is really funny. There's a lot of funny moments in this episode yeah and that's kind of the first first great one um so hawk has found the one-armed man uh because he's a tracker he is the the best according to uh truman yeah so then we're at the the motel and josie happens to be there and she's staking out ben and Catherine, and they just happen to be in the same like no tell motel that the one-armed man is thank god josie's there <laughs> really stoked they could work her into this plot line for you. Yeah, um, that's a good one. So Catherine and Ben are, are uh, getting busy and they're talking mill. Um, <laughs> they're I love, talking mill. I love how Hawk has these like really great turquoise earrings, uh-huh. which uh, Hawk's one of the best Hawk's characters. Great. He's awesome. Um, and so then we see uh, Sheriff Andy and Cooper 
Um, they knock on the one-armed man's door, and that's when Annie's gun goes off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they break into the room, and that's when we have the kind of reveal of uh, Gerard in the bathrobe with the, with the shoulder and the one arm. Which it looks, it looks so real. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like it's like one of those things where I'm like, I feel like it's real, and I'm like, of course it's real because it would make no would sense not have for them. CGI'd. I don't think they had that technology. Yeah, you know what I mean, like that budget. Anyway, even yeah. if they, even if they wanted to do it, they had to actually find an actor who had one arm. It's kind of crazy. But it yeah. was really jarring, and I'm like, I don't know why it's jarring, because it's just he doesn't have an arm. It's not like it was gross, but it was just really weird. And uh, and we saw we saw him before. Yes. So I, I don't know. And that, I, I, and here's what we figure out. We know why. So they go into um, interrogating him. He doesn't know. They show him the sketch of Eskimo Joe. They who they are calling Bob. We should stop calling him Eskimo Joe. <laughs> oh yeah it's confusing <laughs> um but he knows a bob who's the the veterinarian veterinarian who's in a coma so that's why we've seen him at the hospital um recently that's why he was there and um so he says he lost his arm in the car accident and uh and now he's selling shoes um, and they ask him about the tattoo and he gets kind of defensive. And that's when he says that he did have a tattoo and it said mom. Mm. Um, there's also a, a little scene where they go back to Ben and Catherine and that's when the gun goes off and Ben says, he's going to go, he's going to go give little Elvis a bath, which apparently in the script, the censors are like, you can't say that. Because he's referring oh, to his, his his you know what. I so do they, know what. So they threw in the actual doll of a little Elvis, and that's how they got away with it. Stupid. <laughs> Television censorship in the early 90s is just awesome. Well, Sean, I, I used to work in television, and um, just kidding. <laughs> not going to go into a story. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, I didn't even notice the little doll, though. That's kind of funny because I was just, I took the joke and I didn't notice the doll. It's just a little. Uh, but it's almost funnier. It's a little note for someone who's, you know, seen the show as many times as I have. Um, so then at the end of that, Hawk says. Um, that they're so they're leaving and he says uh there's a car and he knew that Josie was kind of staked out there um well, and of so we, does. we assume Josie is spying on uh not the one-armed man but Ben and Catherine <laughs> no not the one-armed man <laughs> Josie's a maybe thing Josie's the one who figures all this out man you don't know you know you don't well, know Josie, Did she, I do know I I do know you know she killed Laura gonna... Palmer <laughs> That's why hey. she shut down the mill. Hey. Because what? I'm not going to tell you. I know you're not um, going to tell me. The next scene is Audrey and Donna, and uh, they're in the girls' bathroom. And Audrey says, I've got it figured out. In real life, there is no algebra. And that's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I don't remember much. I don't like, I can't think of a lot from high school that I actually use. On a day -to -day oh, are you basis. kidding me? I don't use anything from high school math. 
Well, just even high school in general. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe because I do write sometimes, like like grammar stuff. But even then, even then, it's like I don't think I really even took any of that in in high school. Yeah. I feel like yeah, the, one thing that haunts me is in anatomy class, our teacher told us that, like, if you have to go to the bathroom, like, go number one. Your body tells you a certain amount of times that you have to go, and then it just goes. And I think that's the one thing that really stuck with me because I was just always afraid of like, did my body tell me too many times? Am I just gonna go? <laughs> that sounds like the weirdest. By the way, thing about that. she might have made that up just to ruin my life. So thank you. Yeah. Um, whatever. Do you remember her name? Was. I think it was Mrs. Van Duzer. That I can't be. That's got to be it, right? I don't know. We I think we called her, her Mrs. V. Look her up on Facebook. Oh. So, um, where are we? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why did it's I okay. get off on that it's... tangent? I feel like last that last episode we just barreled through it, so it's kind of fun to, you know, pull the car over every once in a while. <laughs> Um, so Audrey is pining for Cooper and she wants Donna to help her solve the crime, right? She thinks if she solves the crime, Cooper's going to fall in love with her, blah, blah, blah. Um, so Audrey starts listing off the things she knows to Donna. She knows that Laura did coke and Donna says, you know, that wasn't much of a secret. Um, and then she starts talking about some things that maybe Donna doesn't know. Like she talks about one-eyed jacks and she's wondering if Laura worked there. And this is when Donna agrees to help as long as they kind of keep it to each other. And, uh, Audrey says, you know, she knows where to start that Laura and Ronette, the connection was they both worked at the perfume counter. And that's where this scene leaves us. A little alliance has been made. Yeah. An unlikely friendship between these two girls who I don't think really like each other. But also kind of look the same. <laughs> they both uh, have dark hair. Um, That's not it. They kind of look the same. Do they look the same? Yes. Laura Flynn Boyle looks a little bit... or not? Is that Laura Flynn Boyle? Right? That is Laura, Laura Flynn Boyle. She looks a, like just a thinner version of Audrey. Sherilyn Finn. Sherilyn Finn. Yeah. From that Lagwagon song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They just she just looks like a little a littler version, like just a thinner version, but not even by much. Do you think Sherilyn Finn knows that Lagwagon have they put her in a song? Do you think she cares? Oh, I think she listens to it every day when she wakes up. Yeah, yeah. I think she cares a lot. I wish I was in a Lagwagon song. I am in a Lagwagon song. No, you're not. Yeah, Beard of Shame. <laughs> it's not about you. That song was written before you went through puberty. That is not true. <laughs> You didn't have a beard. I had a beard when I was uh, 14. Mm -hmm. I started working at the mill. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just had to provide, you know what I mean? I had to provide for my family. I got you. Um, anyway, sorry. Okay, so Norma and Hank. Uh, oh, so here we go, Friday Night Lights. Hank is the evil coach from Friday Night Lights. Oh, that's where he's from. Ah, bada bing. I was looking at well, he's been in other things too, but I yeah. but I was like, what is that guy like? Why yep. does he look familiar to me? Yep. There yeah. You go. He, well, not the evil coach. He's just well, the bad he just coach. Not Coach Taylor. Anyone who's not Coach Taylor is evil. That's you know. true. That's a good point. If you haven't seen Friday Night Lights, people, it's time. It's so great. It's one of the greatest shows. Um, 
there are obviously problems with it. Like there are with every show. There isn't such thing as a perfect show, but um, it's definitely worth your time. Moving on. Um, it's really, it's really great. It's really fantastic. Uh, and even if you're like football, like no, like my wife could care less about football, but she loved, 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 loved that show. Um, so Hank is begging Norma to back him up. Norma is stoked, and I'm being sarcastic again. Um, <laughs> so Hank's parole hearing, and he talks about now we know he hit a dude with a car, and uh, kind of at the moment where Norma could throw him under the bus, she stands by him, she stands by her man, and says that you know she'd give him a job. They live together as man and wife. Stand by your man. Yep, there you go. So, uh, so they say we're gonna let you know. And then we'll they they will let us know later. We'll get to that when we get to it. And the the next scene is they go to the vet, and it's really funny because they just park their truck right in front of the gas tanks and like don't fill up, <laughs> which I think I is so that's so rude. Uh, if you don't notice that, you might have also missed this guy go. This guy goes, "Hey, Hawk," and gives him a high five. <laughs> no, this that. guy's standing outside of a gas station. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That's funny. Good. I love the idea that Hawk is just like the guy everyone knows. Hey, Hawk. <laughs> um, the vet scene is great. There's a llama in the waiting room, which mm-hmm. there's no way that that would be. That There's no way a llama would be in a waiting room. Like, I'm not saying that llamas don't get seen by vets, but they don't just sit in the waiting room. <laughs> llamas are very peaceful creatures, Sean. You know, I used true? to work in TV. and um... The fiercest killer in the animal kingdom. <laughs> Sam used to like raise llamas or something like that. What? Yeah, I know. There's a that lot sounds, I don't know about my that wife. Sounds made up. <laughs> um, so there's that great scene where the llama comes through, cuts through Cooper and Truman, and like stops and looks directly at uh, at Kyle McLaughlin, and it's perfect. And how they got through that without totally busting up, I have no idea. <laughs> but you can see Truman look down on the ground like he's trying to keep it in. But that shows you how good Kyle McLaughlin is, that he does not start just like losing his mind with laughter. Well, I mean, I've long said that Truman breaks throughout this show. So. I know. But he didn't break there, so there you go. Eh, well, um, so Cooper is questioning the, the secretary, and he's sure that the bird um with the bird bites is a client of this office because of the connection it's all kind of fuzzy like the connection with uh philip gerard knowing the you know the um the vet the vet bob Mm -hmm. leidecker um and so then we're off to the johnson residence uh oh so back yeah cooper says that they need all the files you know all the the records and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're at the Johnson residence and Bobby and Shelly are like making out these two with the, uh, with the death wish apparently. Like they don't care that Leo is a psycho. Um, and Bobby, I love how Bobby is complaining about James seeing Laura behind his back while he's in another man's house with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. Bobby's such a... I don't like... I think Bobby's... I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to describe Bobby because part of my thing about Bobby is that, like, he... um, 
Like in the first two episodes or whatever, he was in the show like a ton, you know? Yeah. And I hated him. And now they're kind of having him go in and out. And so I like it better that he's not a... It doesn't feel like he's in the show much right yeah. now. But at the same time, it's uh, he's still just really annoying to me. Like, he's one of those characters that I just want punched in the face all the time, like repeatedly. And I think that that's how you would feel about most high school seniors right now. I guess so. That's probably true. So he's playing it very accurate, you know. True to the hit. 17-year-old male. Yeah. Um, so Shelly mentions Jock. Uh, that's when Bobby's kind of putting things together and he spills the news to her about Leo and Jock and the drugs. It's funny, he leaves himself out of that equation. He's like, I think they're running drugs, selling drugs to, you know, in Twin Peaks. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you're part, you know that because you're selling drugs in Twin Peaks. Um, and that's when Shelly um, shows Bobby the bloody shirt. And then he's kind of stoked because he thinks he's got Leo. Um, and he goes, are you sure it's his shirt? And she says, yeah, it's got his initials. He makes me sew them into everything. <laughs> <laughs> you make your wife sew your initials into everything, right? Oh, yeah. It's such a funny form of like dominance. I really appreciate it. Like, I really love it. <laughs> put my initials in everything. Like, you are my wife. You will put my initials on in all of my clothes. Oh, that is so obnoxious. It is obnoxious, um, but I'm going to start making Sam do it. That's what I'm saying. If she yeah, hasn't, you should start. Underwear, socks, everything. Yeah. And then you yeah. should do things like buy a 16-pack of socks and just be like, there you go. Now I'm going to do it, and then as soon as she does it, I'm going to rip them up and say she ruined them. And, you're, and you go like, yes, both socks. Like the pair. <laughs> <laughs> um so Bobby's stoked <laughs> and Shelly sh- tell which sock goes with which yes, sock. Yes, both socks. Um <laughs> Bobby is stoked because uh, of the shirt and uh so he's got this plan and we find out later what his plan is, but um and then Shelly shows Bobby the gun and uh they make out some more. Mm. Big shocker. They love making out. A lot of making out on this so show. Uh, we're back at the sheriff station, and they have all of the files for every pet um, that visits the Lydecker veterinarian. Um, Andy apologizes <laughs> for the gun going off, and that's when uh, Cooper says they're going to go hit the range. Lucy's still giving Andy the cold shoulder. Um so they head down to the shooting range. I think it's funny that as they come down there, there's all these like Christmas decorations. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's little things where like, there's a dude whose job is a set decorator and he's like, let's put all the Christmas decorations that they keep, you know, let's put them right here so you can see them. Um, <laughs> so. Oh no, that was written in the script. <laughs> maybe it could be, could have been. Yeah. I wonder. Um, these are the kinds of things when you've seen the show as many times as I have, you notice, uh, there's a great line when they're getting ready to kind of start taking target practice about how Cooper knows that Andy and Lucy, there's something wrong, right? He's, he picks up on everything. And he says something about how women, in the grand scheme of the, like kind of the design of the world, women were drawn from a different set of blueprints. Um, and they all take shots, and Andy, I think, doesn't hit his target at all. And so they, you know, Cooper says we need practice and lots of it. Um, 
And then I think Aunt, or Truman asks if Cooper was married, and he says no, but he knew someone who taught him the pain of a broken heart. And that's when we get Hawk's poem, which is just wonderful. Mm-hmm. And he says uh, he, wrote, he wrote that for his girlfriend, Diane Shapiro. And he goes, local gal? And he says, PhD Brandeis. <laughs> I love this episode. I think Robert Engels is a really great writer. It is my favorite episode so far. Yeah. I think I said that last week that There's, this is my favorite episode so far. The humor in it, I think, is like perfect. Um, well, it's humor and it moves. Yeah. It's like well edited. Edited. Sure. edited? Yeah. Oh, God. Edited. You'll get there. I will. Um, and then that Lucy kind of calls down and says that all the pets are, uh, they're not organized by species they're organized by name and then cooper gets to say we're gonna need more coffee which is like the we're gonna need a bigger boat of twin peaks yeah um we're back to the diner (laughs) thanks toad toad (laughs) there's a guy named toad in the show and uh, you act like that's a weird thing there's a woman with a log I know. I just love. I love it. I love. There's a guy named Toad, <laughs> and uh, I guess he lives leaves her a nickel or something because Norma's really bummed on his tip. Uh, <laughs> speaking of bum, Shelly comes in and she's bummed on Leo, and she has this line about he was so great at first, flashy guy in a hot car, and <laughs> all I could think of is like, well, when has that ever backfired? You know. <laughs> The car, the relationship. Hello. <laughs> um, and so. But that's kind of like what the, sorry, that's kind of like the theme, part of the theme of the show, I think. It's like this weird time gone by where like the flashy guy in the hot car was like what teenagers were into, you know? Yeah. Like well, I still think it's kind of what teenagers are into, but it's a little more different. Well, women. Women like a flash guy in a hot car. Maybe not the two women who chose us. No, no, no. My wife loves uh, Ford Rangers. She's really into them. I mean, you are a flashy guy. I'm very flashy. You are, if nothing else, flashy. For, for being very flashy. Excuse me, sir. Where are you driving that hot car? So flashy. <laughs> a little too flashy. Well, I'm going to have you dial it back a bit. I understand, officer. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you Letting me go stuff. with a warning. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Um, so Shelly and Shelly and Norma are uh, kind of, you know, consoling each other, and then they decide they're going to plan a girls' day. Mm. Um, this is when James shows up, and he calls Donna from a payphone, which is with th- that was a thing back in 1989, um, and the. <laughs> the Hayward house they're planning some potluck and Doc Hayward is saying something about who's ever heard of diet lasagna um and so that's when Maddie walks in diet lasagna is it like a non sequitur I don't know I remember that line what's a non sequitur like it just has nothing to do with anything else oh yeah well I mean like he it just happens where what he he calls, and that's what the Haywards are doing is they're cooking for some potluck. Anyway, and and Doc Hayward's like, have James come over. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, like <laughs> James is like Bobby Flay or something. Like he's gonna fix this. Okay. Um. All James can do is cook, like you know, 
emo pie. Like, let's be honest. Like that guy, you know, he's not going to be a big help in the kitchen. No, not at all. <laughs> he's not helping anyone at this point in the show. I can make spaghettios. Uh. <laughs> Do you have a can opener or no? Oh. Never I just mind. don't feel right about this pie, but I do. But I do. <laughs> yeah. I want cherry. No, I want apple. <laughs> um, but I do. I like it. So this is when Maddie walks in and James is like hypnotized. Um, Laura. So Cheryl Lee is the actress who plays Laura and also Maddie. And I think like she looks a lot like Karen, Karen Allen from Animal House with the dark wig on. Wait, say that again. My, I literally my earplugs fell out. She, so I was talking about Shirley. She plays Laura yeah. Palmer. She also plays Maddie, right? Yes. Um, I think it it feels like at least in this scene she looks like Karen Allen from Animal House. Oh, good call. And then and then when you think of Karen Allen, do you think of Animal House or what movie do you like? Do you think of Scrooged? Karen Allen. I yeah, think that, of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was, that's what I was going to ask you next. Yeah, it's Raiders. You certainly or, don't think of like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, right? Because if so, oh, we're sorry. Done. Sorry, I think Kingdom of the Crystal Skull first, <laughs> and then I think Raiders. But that's also how I just rank the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> Crystal Skull is always number one. Always number one. I don't even really consider the other ones. Well, it's Kingdom, and then I'm like, okay, great. Okay, and then all right. Here's the lesser ones. I don't want to get into this really quick. What are your actual? What is your actual rank? Rank the Indiana Jones movies? of Karen Allen movies? No, oh, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> um, oh well, Crystal Skull first. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. I made a mistake. No, no, no. It's, it's uh, Last Crusade is number one. Really? I love Last Crusade. I do too. But is it it's, better than Raiders? No, it's not a better movie, but. It's uh, actually, you know what? Because I had maybe six months ago, Sam and I watched Raiders, and she had never seen it before. And uh, it's a good movie, but I don't know. Like it's almost like the the um, the effects like hurt it. Okay. Like there's so much effects in it. Yeah. And they're just so bad. I think a lot of them are kind of good though. Aren't they? Some of no. them are good. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's I not was, like I don't know. I think Last Crusade is just like they. It's so it good. feels like Last Crusade is this big movie that they made, and it's like the great action scenes, yeah. and it's fun, and Sean Connery's great in it. Yeah, it's true. There is you do have Sean Connery in that one. Um, so it's Last Crusade, then it's Raiders, and then Temple, and then um, and then that's it. That's the only three Indiana Jones movies I've ever known of. Good answer. All right. Thank you. So, uh, so Karen Allen is not in Twin Peaks, but Shirley dressed up as her playing Madeline Ferguson, Laura's cousin. She's picking up food at the diner to take to, uh, Leland and Sarah. James is tripping out, right? Because this is exactly his secret girlfriend with dark hair. And she talks about how, you know, when they were younger that they would pretend they were sisters and stuff. Um... And then we get we find out they kind of pan back. We find out that Hank is getting parole, and uh, poor, uh, poor Norma. Of all the songs you wrote in Revolver based on Twin Peaks, how you didn't write one named Hank is getting parole is kind of that a was cut off of Touchstone Inferno. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, the label said no. Um, 
Just kidding. Uh, okay, so then we go to Ben just Horns. Kidding. I was going to make a really mean joke, and I didn't. What were you going to say? I was going to say, just kidding. The label said no to all of it. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Dallas. Sorry, buddy. Um, so then we go to Ben Horn's office. This is at the Great Northern. And they've moved on, right? So they've moved on from the Norwegians to the Icelanders. <laughs> They're trying to sell uh, sell the Ghostwood uh, Country Club and Estates package to someone in Scandinavia. Um, mm-hmm. and this is when Audrey is trying to kind of reconcile with her dad and apologizes. Um, and Ben bites, right? You know, so, but we kind of know that what Audrey's trying to do is investigate Laura. Um, yes. and so she's going to do so by trying to get a job where Laura worked. Uh, and that's when Ben gets a phone call. We don't know who it's, who it is, but he says, where have you been? Meet me by the river. We're going to find out later who it is. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> no, you know who it is. Um, and then back to sheriff station. So they find they're going through all the, the, the files and they get a call again from David Lynch, who's Gordon Cole. And he says that, uh, the chip was from a poker chip. So it's one eye jacks. They make that connection and that the bird was a parrot or a minor bird. And right about that time, Andy finds, uh, the minor bird Waldo. Uh, I think that's the bird's name. And it was owned by Jacques Renault. And so they're like, ah, ding, 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 ding. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's when they go to his house. And Bobby just happens to be there. So Bobby's planning the bloody shirt in Jacques' house. And I'm, it's a little confusing what he thought. Like, how did Bobby know the cops were going to go there? Um. Yeah, well, I'm a little confused. I, I, I'm a little hazy on um, Jacques Renault's. Okay, so Jacques like, Renault's position. Yeah. Okay, so Jacques is his his daytime job. He is the bartender at the Roadhouse, right? <clears throat> but he's into some stuff, right? So he wait, wait. wait. So who's the one armed man? That is Philip Gerard. Okay, we we can go on. Oh, okay, good. Because um, I was getting Gerard and. Jacques Renault confused. So Jacques Renault, who um, they have suspicions about in general anyway, is kind of a guy who's, you know, running drugs, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so they find that he has a a minor bird and so they go to his house. But I'm I'm still kind of like, again, I haven't watched the show in a while. So Bobby being at Jacques, planning the shirt there, um, it's a little like, how did he, did he think the cops were going to? You know, come come there. Like, if Jacques found that shirt before the cops did, you know, and maybe we'll yeah. figure it out. But it, it was a little like, and I apologize if you know the answer to this and you're listening to us and you're like, duh. Um, maybe I just forgot why he would have had that foresight <clears throat> to drop the but shirt. Weren't off the him. weren't the um, weren't the cops just or the little secret society or whatever just questioning him? Well, they were questioning Bernard, his brother. But did yeah, Bobby but know I that? I, well, it's a little secret society, but maybe he had heard that the cops were maybe it's, doing that. Maybe it's in there and I missed it, but anyway. I don't know. I so didn't... Bob, Bobby is bad timing because the cops show up as he's there and he mm-hmm. jumps out the window. Thank goodness he's like, I think he was on track, the track team. 
Well, of course. Because he can run. So he gets We've away. also learned that he's a superhuman. Uh, yes, apparently. Because he fought an entire bar of bikers. <laughs> well, they were all drugged. We've been over this. Um, I, don't, I don't believe it. I still don't believe that. <laughs> so this is where we get to... Uh, we find out Leo was the one who called Ben, and they meet down by uh, the river, and Ben uh, gives him a hard time for <laughs> showing up in his bright red convertible. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hank recommended Leo, and uh, and so Ben wants to hire Leo to uh, torch the mill. Um, and Leo shows that he had... Uh, there's a lot going on here. He just killed Bernard, the mm-hmm. guy who we were, we were just talking about, and talks about how he broke up their act, uh, the Renault brothers. And it's kind of, it's also kind of like, why did he kill him? Because he says, like, if he ever gave him up, he'd kill him. And he said, did he? And he said, no, but he shouldn't trust me. So apparently Leo's like even worse of a guy than we thought he was. I just killed him for, you know, no reason. Um, but. Ben is going to hire Leo to uh, to burn down the uh, Packard sawmill. And uh, how you doing? I'm good. Okay, good. Um, this is when we see Donna and James. Uh, they go to dig up the locket because earlier in the episode, Donna had you know heard Sarah talk about the vision of the hand digging up the locket and of course the locket's gone mm-hmm. um, and then she says Laura used to say your mom is kind of spooky oh really <laughs> at yeah. this point we see an owl and that's important and there's going to be more of them oh it's like Harry Potter it's exactly like Harry Potter this is actually Harry Potter oh wow okay <laughs> Sam should watch this with me then well, that's how you could get her to watch it. Um, it's exactly Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Sheriff Truman is Harry Potter. <laughs> All grown's up. Um, and then, of course, some gratuitous... You would think Robert Engels maybe would like leave this part out, but then it ends up with like the... Donna goes, this is about us. It's like, why is it about you? Yeah, well... What, you keep, what, you gotta, what of this is about you? Got to keep the 25 to 35 invested. And then they're you know like, I, mean? I want to be with you. And I was like, I want to gouge my eyes out if I have to watch you two. I'm going to make lasagna, I promise. I don't want diet lasagna. I can I figure changed, it out. I changed my mind. <laughs> I, I wanted to be diet. Okay, I didn't change my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's they're annoying. But... Okay, moving on. Um, Harry calls Josie to be like, why were you at the motel? And then she pulls the like, ah, you're cutting out. I got to go. Uh, and hangs up on him. Uh, and that's when we get the really cute scene where Pete asks Josie if she'll be his fishing partner in the annual fishing competition. Yes. And she makes him a turkey sandwich with mayo. Yes. I, I, you know what? I love fishing. Are you just like in general? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time it's since been I went a long, You know what, man? We should go fishing. We should go fishing. We should enter a fishing competition. I don't think we should do that, but and I even think if we, we should lose, go fishing. I could wear, like, I could cut my hair like Josie and make you a turkey sandwich. I think even if we lose is a strong term for when we lose. <laughs> you know, fishing's like, it's luck, right? There's no, like, I, there's no skill. I think there's, like, 30% luck, and then the rest of it is, is in fact, skill. It's like blackjack. 
My dad used to have this thing on his boat that was supposed to tell you like where fish were. Like it was like an underwater like oh, um, yeah. Yeah. meter. Yeah, we had one of those. And I'm like, that's just cheating. That's not fishing. You know what though? Even when you have one of those, then it was like it didn't matter. I guess so. But still, like, you're I'd like, be like, look, there's a fish, and they just they don't want. Not all fish are hungry all the time. Not all fish want Cheetos. Wait, you're supposed to use Cheetos? Yeah, do you never use Cheetos? God, I was doing it wrong. Yeah, it's like the best bait. How does it... It doesn't sink, though, right? The Cheeto? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you gotta put a little weight on it. God, I was going through the trouble of putting a worm on a hook. You know how gross Ooh, that fish is? Fish don't want worms. Fish want Cheetos. Oh, it's the it's secret of the pros. Just crack a bag and dump them in the lake. Yeah, but not the flaming hot ones. Don't do that mistake. <laughs> That's... That's a that's a total jerk move. Yeah, not in case. That's not, something that Leo Johnson would do. Yeah, not unless you want like a turtle. You don't want that. That's a mess. I can't wait till the next episode when Leo Johnson dumps a bag of flaming hot Cheetos on the river. <laughs> yeah, come on, fish. <laughs> Get in the boat. This is our house, Shelly. Um, sorry. Yeah, fishing is good, and it was cute. And obviously, Pete's in love with Josie. Yeah. Um, and it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then Josie gets, um, something in the mail and it's a pencil sketch of a domino. And guess what? It's from Hank, the manslaughtering artist who knew he had that in him. I just want though, maybe, maybe this happens later in the show. To but enter like I- a drawing competition. Like remember those drawing <laughs> competitions where the, when the guy on t- would come on TV and say, if you can draw this, you may be eligible for free lessons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has to draw a parrot and send it in. No, but Yeah, remember it, that? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. The parrot thing. Yeah, well, how, was like what a, was that? Was it like a scam? Oh, I'm sure it was. Because I don't see that anymore. Well, no, you don't. <laughs> I, I think it was a scam. Yeah, I don't think it was real. I mean, I think it was real, but people were like, "I could draw a parrot." Do I get? Am I going to be famous? I think it was one of those things where you would draw the parrot, and then you'd send in like an application fee, like fifteen bucks or something. And then they'd send you like they'd send you two records, and you'd have to keep them for fifteen days. And if you didn't pay for them, they charge something you thirty like bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Probably. Or they just took that your application the, or that fee. That was the Columbia said, Records com- Club, right? Columbia Records. <laughs> it was Columbia Records. No, I think it was like. They sent you, you sent them 15 bucks, and they would just send you like a pamphlet back saying, like, Oh, you th- we think you'd be good for this school. Like, here's what it is, or something, you know. So it was like they were just getting $15 from people. Um, true story Revolver actually, Columbia Records took us out to dinner one time, mm-hmm. and like afterwards, I was like, All right, here's the deal, you guys. You made me you made me pay twenty four dollars for a copy of In Utero in 1993, and if you'll <laughs> cover that, we'll sign. <laughs> um, <clears throat> did they do it? No, it didn't work out. Oh man, that's that, a was, that was what broke the. It was back. Broke the, the straw. Um, okay, so Hank uh, Hank knows Josie now. Well, there's a connection there. But no, Mike, my point is, I really want there in his cell oh, just yeah. to be surrounded with <laughs> wallpaper of, of different domino drawings, <laughs> like just different. Dominoes. Really good. That's a really good domino he drew. Yeah, and he's, he's like, kind of creepy with it. It's like in his mouth at the end. Yeah, he's sucking on the domino. Uh, anyway, <laughs> one more guy to creep us out in the show. Oh, one so more that's guy episode. Be... Uh, it was episode four, Dallas. Yeah, uh, the one he's, man. He's, he's your cheating. favorite one so far. He's cheating on uh, Nora. Nope. Norma. Um, well, we Norma. don't know that he's cheating on Norma. 
He's doing stuff with Josie. Well, we don't know what he's doing. Oh, stop it. He's sucking on the domino. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> hey, hold on a second. Hold There's on. too many things going on in the show. Hold on. Look at the little one's coughing. Uh-oh. Are we done? We'll see in a second. Okay. She's been out for an hour, so she'll either cough and then go back to sleep, or she'll cough and then be up. Okay. Everyone who's listening who has children, they understand. I think everyone who's listening has children. If you don't, why don't you email us and tell us that you don't? (laughs) Just let us know that you're alive. (laughs) Tell me. I forget what it's like to not have to. (laughs) Hey, I have an hour today where I can maybe do this thing. Yeah. All right. I think we're good. Okay. Um, Well, I was just going to, I wanted to actually read a, I got, we got viewer listener email. Oh, great. It's from my father. Oh, perfect. (laughs) So my dad, actually, we have to thank because uh, my dad was the one who kind of got me into this show. Um, So I'll read this. I'll try to get through it because it's a little long. Um, But he says, Dear Sean in Dallas, have enjoyed the first two podcasts. Some thought you might want to use or not on what I think Lynch and Frost might be working on as an underlying, uh, underlying philosophical view of the world. Uh, One is that in Lynch's universe, there is a visible, understandable world where we can predict the future and it is all fine and right. Uh, Andy of Mayberry, if you will. But lurking underneath that world are brutal and evil forces that are truly frightening. Uh, A.K.A. the beginning of Blue Velvet uh, with a dad collapsing from the heart attack on the front lawn. uh, And the next shot underneath that is where the dad lies or the insects eating each other with the god-awful noise in the background. You've seen Blue Velvet, right? And not a long time, okay. but sure. Well, that is the intro. Um, so here the, here the uh, Andy of Mayberry whistle barely gets to midstream when Pete Martell, walking with his fishing pole, finds Laura's body. In Lynch's world, we, have, uh, we try to spin life as Andy of Mayberry, wonderful, where life in reality is brutal. Uh, Big Ed's wife has an eye patch. The doctor's wife is in a wheelchair. The high school prom queen is found dead on the shore. People are trying to screw people over economically and otherwise. Mm-hmm. The world that Agent Cooper inhabits when we first meet him was Andy of Mayberry. Logical, understandable, predictable. He works on clear thinking and logic fueled by coffee, uh, a metaphor for clear logical thinking. He is a naive city boy when it comes to nature, when he's saying Douglas firs and rabbits. But there's foreshadowing of nature's seemingly powerful influence. The Indian totems, the trees blowing in the wind, the fish dropped in the coffee percolator is an indication that nature's unpredictable ways are going to find their way into the storyline. Later, Cooper talks about not being able to get the taste of fish out of his mouth. Within a few minutes, the log lady tells Cooper to go ahead and ask the log. Cooper is speechless. The natural world is initially a mystery to Cooper. And he goes on to say about the Scandinavian influence, Scandinavian loggers settled the great Northwest, uh, logical, determined people. No wonder the Norwegians run for the hills at the sign of chaotic death, uh, at the chaotic death of a young woman. The original Scandinavians pushed aside the Indians who originally inhabited the Northwest, and there's probably an Indian uh, nature revenge thing brewing a la Stephen King and Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Twin Peaks is in a large part about the personal psychological development of Agent Cooper as he finds himself going deeper and deeper into the woods and his world of logic fails him in his investigation. He is so sure of his identity as Special Agent FBI, 
it will be inter- interesting to see if he stops greeting people with that after having to walk with fire for a while. He will have to go like a caveman walking through a dark forest or a cave with a torch to solve this crime. And then he, he closes with about the coffee, because we mentioned this in the second, I think on the second episode. It was big in Seattle since the mid-70s. Uh, the guys mm. from Starbucks learned how to roast coffee from the guys at Pete's in the Bay Area in the late 60s. The gourmet coffee trend started in the Bay Area and Seattle and was going full bore by 1990. And I, he says, I think Lynch is a big coffee fan, was giving props to the great Northwest influence in that area. Keep up the good work. Very truly yours, Jimmy Football. Thanks, Dad. I'm going to be honest. I think your dad needs to get a job. <laughs> oh, there's some good stuff there, though. I, I, there was uh, some great I stuff. I appreciate that, Dad. Especially, uh, you know, I think that, and I think maybe I've touched on this, but a lot of Lynch does have that kind of, there's like the frosting on the cake, and then there's the, you know, what's underneath. So we get a lot of like the, what something looks like, but then what it really is. Um, and he brings up some good points there about how everyone wants everything to look perfect, but on the inside, you know, things are dying and there's problems and people are cheating and people are, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Twin peaks. Yeah. Your dad, your dad wrote a very well thought out email. Yeah, he did. Thank you, dad. That's great. Um, and the coffee. So there you go. So a little history. Cause I, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't drinking coffee in 1990. I didn't know, but apparently it's been a big deal for a while. So, well, people have seemed to be enjoying coffee for a long time. So, yeah. What, uh, did you drink some coffee today? Oh God, so much. What? How, what did you? Uh, what you have? But see, that's the problem. Is like, I think I'm just. It doesn't even matter anymore. Like I just drink it. You just. And it's you, like, don't, don't, you don't care what kind of brand or. Oh well, no, I, we don't care for home brew. <laughs> you don't, what do you mean? You didn't make it at home. You went out and got it. No, no, no. I mean, like, we get, like, this this cheap brand for home because mm-hmm. we just buy, like, in bulk. Yeah. So it, we don't really care. Sometimes we'll get, like, a – like, sometimes I'll get a bag of Pete's. Yeah. Um, sometimes. Very rarely. Sure. Um, but it's, like, uh, we do this thing. I think it's Don Francisco's. Yeah. But they have, like, a hazelnut cream that's really good. Okay. And so I like to get that. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, but when we go out, it's like, you know, if I'm going to go out somewhere to get coffee, Sam has always preferred Starbucks. That's what she's always known. But uh, she's wrong. She's wrong. Um, Although I will say that Starbucks, they, since they started doing cold brew, yeah, that's actually pretty good. They're cold that's brew. That's the best brew. thing that they do yeah. because that brewing process is like, you know, that's the best. Um, yeah, the, their cold brew isn't bad. Uh, the kettle in Escondido is really good. They did Kyoto. Yes. Um, but the problem is with that is that they the, just somehow out of nowhere, they started like charging way more. Oh. And so I just kind of stopped going because it went from being like you can get like a large Kyoto for like three fifty. Yeah. To it's, like now, so I think much. it's almost like five bucks. No. You know, like, you should make your own. Uh, I've started making my own. I've been making it for a few years, but it's summer, so it's like time. You make your own cold brew. It's really cheap and it's awesome. I would send me on. Send me how to do it. I'll do it. It's it, honestly, this is what you do. You get a bag of coffee. You grind it up and you put it in water. You let it sit overnight in the fridge and then you strain it and you're done. Really? It's super good. You yeah. have to put it in warm water. No, no. You just like, right, like. I have I'd make a big batch. I have this big tub I put it in, and mm-hmm. it's like the, I forget. I think it's like um, 
I'll send you the recipe for how much water to coffee. But yeah. you basically just grind the beans, put the water in there, stir it up, let it sit overnight. Next day, strain it out. Cold brew. And it's Love so it. good. I'll totally do that. Yeah. Sam would be stoked. Um. Anyway, and you people listening at home can try it too. Let us know. Ooh. Thank you for... Uh, Thank you for coming back, and uh, that was episode uh, whatever, one our man. Um, oh, Christ Almighty! What? My headphones keep falling out of my damn uh, ears. Okay, we'll keep them on, and we're almost done here. I'm trying um, to. You can follow us at uh, per- at Percolator Pod. You can follow Dallas at Dallas underscore MC. Thank you. you follow me at Sean T O'Donnell. We'll be back next week with episode five. Some snarky title. Um, <laughs> and we're going to try to keep this up. I'm only in Jersey for a few more weeks, and I think it'll be easier for us to podcast when I'm back in California. But Perfect. For now, uh, have a great week, everyone. Happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day. Although by the, the time you've listened to this, you've already had it. And I hope you had a lot of hot dogs. And I'm going to go fire up the grill and crack a cold one. Nice. I'm going to go wake up my child and crack another thing of coffee. (laughs) Maybe try some cold brew. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be a big day. All right. Thanks, Dallas. Thanks, Sean. Bye-bye. Mmm, yeah. Dig that, Kurtz. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then I saw your face. Then I saw your smile. The sky is still blue. The clouds come and go. Yet something is different. Are we falling in love? Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then your kiss so soft, then your touch so warm. The stars still shine bright, the mountains still high. Yet something is different. Yes, something is different now. The guitar came in. I feel like I'm floating. Floating above a keyboard and a guitar. A guitar. Are we falling in love? Falling. Falling. Are we falling in love? That's the ketchup. I like coffee. Donuts. (laughs) Russ Tamblin.